heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of this power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. A few months ago, a man was showing his grandchildren how to do something. And he said, you have to turn it clockwise. And his daughter said, Dad, they don't know what clockwise is. They live in a digital world. If you ask a group of children to look up the letter Paul wrote to the Ephesians on their smartphones, they might say, what's a letter? In the last few years, letter writing has largely been replaced by email, texts, and Facebook. Now, Dorothy and I still received written letters from a few older people. But the letters in the Bible, which we call epistles, now you probably all know what an epistle is, it's a letter, these are a powerful and important. A recent issue of the Atlantic Monthly has a letter of the most important, no, has a list, rather, of the most important letters written in history. The list ranges from a letter written by an ancient Persian queen to the message accompanying the Voyager spacecraft into outer space. Queen Atosa of Persia is given credit for writing the first handwritten letter in 500 B.C. She is also given credit for establishing the practice that made letters the most normal and effective form of long-distance communication for the next thousand years years. Abraham Lincoln wrote five public letters that bolstered the, norm, the northern morale and helped the Union to win the Civil War. He wrote in one of those letters, I am 
naturally anti-slavery. If slavery is not wrong, then nothing is wrong. In 1939, Albert Einstein sent a letter to President Roosevelt suggesting that an atomic bomb was possible. Six years later, the U.S. dropped nuclear weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. In his letter from Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King Jr. called for nonviolent resistance and inspired major civil rights legislation. As for the golden record sent into outer space on the Voyager spacecraft in 1977, it will probably never be read or answered, but it contains a record of who we are as human beings. But the most important letters ever written were written by an apostle. Those were the letters or epistles of the apostle Paul. According to best-selling novelist Nicholas Sparks, they continue to inform and influence Christians around the world. Even after almost 2,000 years, they were written. Paul's letters have had an impact that goes far beyond the life of the church. Without his epistles, no one would say, love is patient, love is kind. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Bad company ruins good morals. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Paul has enriched the English language right along with our Christian faith. So what's in this letter he wrote to the Ephesians? In verses 15 and 16 of our reading, Paul writes, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul has heard that the Christians in Ephesus have been showing faith in Jesus and love toward each other. This makes him very thankful. But Paul is not content with the Ephesians' faith and love. He goes on to say, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has, been, he has called you and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. Now that's a long sentence. But it is clear that Paul wants the Ephesians to continue to grow in wisdom, enlightenment, hope, and most of all, power. Power is used twice in verse 19 
and again twice more in the remainder of the passage. Power is not the message we expect to be hearing. Faith, yes. Love, yes. But power, no. Paul wants to empower the Ephesians to be strong disciples of Jesus Christ. Sarah Zasky recently went to Germany and learned an important lesson about parenting. She says, the first time I went to a playground in Berlin, I freaked. All the German parents were huddled together drinking coffee, not paying attention to their children who were hanging off a wooden dragon 20 feet above a sand pit. Where were the piles of soft padded foam, the liability notices, the personal injury lawyers? Sarah was just a bit concerned. Although Germans are famous for being disciplined, Sarah found that most German parents are the opposite of strict. She writes, they place a high value on independence and responsibility. Those parents at the park weren't ignoring their children, they were trusting them. Paul, the letter writer, places a high value on independence and responsibility. He trusts his fellow Christians to make good use of the power from Jesus that is available to everyone who believes. According to Paul, God has put all things under Christ's feet, and he has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body. Jesus has power over all things, and he shares this power with us, the members of Christ's church. That's the good news of Paul's letter to the Ephesians and to us. Power is clearly good when it strengthens us spiritually, but power makes us nervous when it is exercised in the world. We often associate power with politics, and we hate it when power is abused by local or national politicians. As Christians, we would rather serve a needy world than get involved in power politics. But still, God put his power to work in Jesus Christ, and he calls us to be the body of Christ in the world. There are good ways for us to use our God-given power to seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead with the widow, as related in Isaiah 1.17. Paul wants us to take him seriously when he speaks of the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us who believe. It so sounds like Paul wants us to play with fire. Yes, it sounds like the letter writer wants us to play with fire. Sarah Zasky played with fire when her child's second grade teacher 
asked for permission to let the child play with fire. Together they lighted candles safely. Abraham Lincoln played with fire when he wrote his letter saying, I am naturally anti-slavery. If slavery is not wrong, then nothing is wrong. Martin Luther King Jr. played with fire when he wrote his letter from the Birmingham jail. We play with fire when we write letters to our elected leaders, testify at city council meetings, and take action to improve the quality of life in our communities. We can play with fire in these ways when our actions are based on the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. Paul, the letter writer, says that we have faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all saints, and we also have the power to change the world for the better. Amen.